Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Good morning, everyone. How are we doing? That was pretty good. Um, It is great to be here today. Uh, For those of you that don't know me, my name is Rob Haberly. I'm the director of guest experience here at CityWalk. I'm also a very blessed husband and father of three. Um, That's right. I love my family. They're great. Um, Similar to Matt, who y'all heard from last week, I'm also one of the local guys. So from our directors, we had quite a few people that came here from out of state. But me, I grew up just up the road in Gridley. Uh, So I'm a local guy. I traveled around the country a little bit, and I ended up back home. So I'm, I'm back here in Yuba City. Because really, when you think about it, where else in the country can you find... Winco chickens, where can you find crows everywhere, and where else can you go out and smell the, the, the smell of prunes drying in the morning, right? Only in Yuba City. I love this place. Now, growing up in Gridley, some of my earlier memories have nothing to do with actually what the teacher was teaching. I, I was a good student, I did well, but most of, some of my memories have to do with this. A pin, I know. I know some of you are thinking, okay, a pen, he must be an artist, maybe he likes writing. Some of those are true, but my mind didn't focus so much on what the pen did, did, but how it works. To a young Rob, or Robbie, as I grew up as, to a young Rob, this was completely fascinating. I had to know how it worked. You can click it, and it opens. You shake it, it doesn't close. I can write with it, and it works. Click it again, it stays closed doesn't come close. To my young mind, though, I had to know how it worked. I had to know what made it click, no pun intended. But I had to know how it worked. So what did I do? As you might imagine, I took it apart. I'd take the back off, I'd take the insides out, I had to know what made it work and how the pen functioned. Now I'm saddened to report that we lost quite a few of these guys in the little battle to figure out how the pen worked. It didn't always make it back together the way it was supposed to. Every once in a while, one of these little springs would go flying across the room, and now the pin doesn't work anymore. It's gone. So, of course, I grabbed another one, and I kept at it. And little by little, one by one, I finally knew how the pin worked. I knew how it functioned. I knew its purpose. I knew. Now, I know that a lot of y'all minds may not function the way that my mind functions. My wife will be the first to tell you I'm a little bit weird. I'm a little different. My children, they will definitely confirm that I'm not like everybody else, and I'm okay with that. But that being said, with a little imagination, I think we can all see how this pin relates to life. I know I may have just lost some of you. Please bear with me. This pin exists. With a little effort, you can open it. With a little more effort, you can make it work, you can write. 
anybody can pick it up. Sometimes it works perfectly, sometimes it falls apart and doesn't work, and you have to figure out how to put it back together. You see the connection yet? It's life. We all exist, we're all here. With a little effort, we move forward in life. With a little more effort, we try and make the way our lives work the way we want to. Emphasis on the try. Sometimes things go perfectly, more often than not, something breaks. And a spring flies off the pen, and you can't get it back together anymore. So what do you do? What do I do now? I can't get my pin back together. I can't get my life back the way it's supposed to be. I can't deal with what's going on. How do I fix it? Wouldn't it be nice to have a manual of some sort? Something that tells you how life works, how life's supposed to be. I'm sorry to tell you, your older generation will get it. By older, I mean me and above, pretty much. Um, there's no Encyclopedia Britannica. There's no encyclopedia salesman coming to your door saying, this is where you're going to go to find the answers to life's problems. I have a confrontation at work. Let me grab the C volume and see what it says. I had an argument with my wife, W section. Huh. It says go to the B, buying flowers. Okay. No, there's no answer. It would be nice to have those answers for you, wouldn't it? It doesn't work that way. For the record, mine would actually say buying shoes, not flowers. Um, <clears throat> let's face it, life is full of broken pieces. It doesn't always go the way we want it to. Everywhere we see, we can see evidence of conflict. We can see foolishness. We can see misery. It's everywhere. Look, it's broken. Sometimes we see sparks of peace. We see wisdom. We see happiness. But often we can't help but feel overwhelmed by that negativity that surrounds us. But if you know how to see through the mess, how to see through the pain, and figure out exactly how to put the pieces back together, then life really isn't as hopeless as it may seem. So how do we put it back together? How do we overcome? Let's look back at our pen. The pen didn't magically just come into being. It was designed. It has a purpose. Somewhere, somewhere in a factory... There's a manual on how to put this thing together. There's a design. There's actually something somewhere, and I have no idea where to find it, so don't ask me later, but there's something that says exactly how springy the spring needs to be to make the pin function properly. Somewhere there's something that tells me everything I need to know about this pin. And life is the same way. We need to know how it fits together. And I'm here to tell you today that we can find life's answers by knowing the one who put life together in the first place. God is the creator. He has the master plan. He knows how it all fits together. And even when everything seems to go sideways, he knows how to fix it. And because he is an all-knowing and a loving God, he gave us a way to know too. That's this book right here, the Bible. The Bible is our gateway to knowing God. Yes, it teaches us how to act. It teaches us how to live. But more importantly, it gives us a deeper understanding of the God that created us, that saved us, and that still loves us today. By knowing him, we will find his peace and his wisdom and happiness amidst a world of confusion. We will find that above all, 
Knowing God changes everything. And that's exactly what we're talking about today. We've been studying through the book of Psalms. Today we're talking about Psalm 119. Normally when I preach, what I would do is read through a passage with you. However, Psalm 119, if you didn't know, is 176 verses long. I imagine you want to go home before midnight, so I'm not going to read that for you this morning. What I am going to do is pick out a few sections that we can talk about. Psalm 119 is a little different than some of the chapters in the Bible. It's a little different than most of them. It's actually a collection of 22 shorter poems, and they all talk about one subject, the Word of God. Psalm 119 uses at least eight different phrases to talk about the Word of God, eight different terms used to describe the Word of God. These terms and a few others are used almost 200 times in 176 verses. I do the math real quick. 200 times 176 verses. Do you think the author thought the Word of God was important? Yeah, you better believe it. And after all that repetition, what do we learn? Exactly what we're talking about. Among other things, we learn that peace, happiness, and wisdom can be found in knowing Him. We learn that without a doubt, knowing God changes everything. The first thing we're going to look at today is that if you know God, you know peace. Now, can you all use a little bit more peace in your life? Okay, if you're not raising your hand, you're lying, right? Especially if you've ever had kids. I know you can use a little bit more peace in your life. Now, we just came out of Thanksgiving, right? I'm not sure about what your celebrations were like. We had over 20 people at our house on Thanksgiving Day. I think 22 was the final count. Peaceful is not the word I would use to describe our Thanksgiving. I love my family. I love them to death. Actually, I wish that more of them could be there. There were some that couldn't make it. But as much as I love hanging out with them, peaceful does not come to mind when I think about our celebration. There's a moment when everyone's left, the kids have gone to bed, and they just sit down. Peace. Right? How rare is that to find? But that peace doesn't last. I don't know, maybe that's just me. Maybe you don't relate to that. Maybe your families aren't that huge and noisy as, as, as mine is. And that's okay. Maybe you can relate to this. Have you ever been picked on or persecuted? Teenagers, I know you've been there. That's like a rite of passage going through school, isn't it? Someone's always picking on somebody in school. It still happens in adulthood. It's a bit more manipulative, a bit sneakier, and really it's usually a bit more mean. But there's always some sort of persecution out there. We can't escape it. So how do we deal with it? Do you fight back? Is it an eye for an eye? Do you turn it to gossip maybe a little bit? Talk about them? Vent a little bit? I've been there. Now, if I'm going to be honest, in that moment, as I was fighting back, as I was, as I was talking about those people like I probably shouldn't have been doing, in that moment, I felt good. I felt vindicated. I felt, yeah, that, that'll teach them, right? But it never turned out the way that I thought it was going to turn out. So how do we cope with persecution? How do we cope with that, that oppression? Well, let me tell you that knowing God changes everything. Doing it God's way will bring about the right answer. In Psalm 119, 
The author talks about it in verse 161. This is what he has to say. He says, Princes have persecuted me without cause, but my heart fears only your word. I rejoice over your promise like one who finds vast treasure. I hate and abhor falsehood, but I love your instruction. I praise you seven times a day for your righteous judgments. Abundant peace belongs to those who love your instruction. Now let's take a look at some of those situations. And let me know, do, do any of these sound familiar to you? He's talking about being persecuted without cause. Maybe you've been thrown under the bus by a coworker. Maybe you've been verbally attacked by a family member over a small miscommunication or a misunderstanding. He talks about falsehood, lies. Maybe you have a friend, they only got part of the story and they decided to fill in the blanks themselves. Maybe a peer wanted that promotion over you, so spread a little lie about you, boom, you're out of the way. Have you been there before? Does that sound familiar? As humans, what's our gut reaction in those situations? Get angry, fight back, get even, vengeance, right? But what does God's word teach us? Let's go back and look what he says. In 161, he says, princes have persecuted me without cause, but my heart fears only your word. Your word, another term for God's word. He says, my heart fears only your word. Fears, he stands in awe, in reverence. He goes on to say, I rejoice over your promise, like one who finds a vast treasure. In those situations, he doesn't turn around and, and try and fight back. He finds a reason to rejoice. He finds a reason to be glad. Amidst the persecution, amidst the pain, he turns and, and, and reverently turns to God and finds happiness. He finds joy. In 163, he goes on. He says, I hate and abhor falsehood, but I love your instruction. I praise you seven times a day for your righteous judgments. Again, falsehoods, lies. How does he react? He doesn't fight back, no. He turns to truth. He finds a reason to praise. I praise you seven times a day for your righteous judgments. And what's the result? In 165, he says, abundant peace belongs to those who love your instruction. What kind of peace? Abundant, full, overflowing. He says, yeah, I could fight back, but what's the point? I can turn to God and find peace over anger. Does any of that sound familiar to you? As opposed to living your life in fear, in dread, or in anger, you can choose to know God and know peace instead. Through God's word, fear is replaced by faith, knowing that God is in control. Revenge is replaced with reverence. Lying is replaced for love for his teachings. Pain is replaced by peace in him. Even in times of persecution, pain, and struggle, if you know God, you know peace. And not only do you know peace, if you know God, he also tells us in his word that you can know wisdom. About five years ago, I had just graduated uh, from college uh, with a degree in, 
What's my degree in? <laughs> wow, it just left. As you can tell, I paid attention in school. Um, but my, my degree um, was in religious leadership. I had done really well in school. I was really confident in myself. And I was asked to join a discussion group talking about the Word of God, how it applies to life. And there was a bunch of older men. I was easily the youngest guy there, and I was so confident in how smart I was. I mean, I had a degree. Can you believe how smart I was? I went to school. So I walked in, and I knew that I was going to be a huge benefit to this discussion. I was so wrong. That was not what happened at all. Now, maybe you've been there before, surrounded by your peers, and realized you didn't know as much as you thought. Knowledge comes by studying. Wisdom comes with time and putting it to practice. I didn't have either one. Fortunately for me, God had an answer for me. And fortunately for all of us, it applies to everybody. If you know God, you will know wisdom. After I was sufficiently humbled, God showed me that was what I needed to learn. And I'm, I'm still grateful for that group and what, what wisdom was imparted to me in those study times. Now in Psalm 119, the author goes on to tell us in verse 98, he reads, Your command makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is always with me. I have more insight than all my teachers because your decrees are my meditation. I understand more than the elders because I obey your precepts. Through God's word, you will find more spiritual wisdom than in any other place. Now, that doesn't mean you can be like me and just carry it around, grab your book, and you're good to go. If you really want wisdom, it's going to take really getting to know God through his word. Again, let's look back at verse 98. He says, your command, again, another term for God, your command, not God, sorry, for God's word, your command makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is always with me. So he's saying he knows God's word so well that it's always there. He's studied it. He's reviewed it. He's memorized it. He knows God's word. He goes on in 99. He says, I have more insight than all my teachers because your decrees are my meditation. Okay, he studied it. He's memorized it. Now he's going to meditate on it. He's going to pray about it. God, what does this mean to me? How does it apply to me? How does this affect my life? And then in verse 100, he says, I understand more than the elders because I obey your precepts. He's read, he's studied, he's memorized, he's prayed. How does this apply to me? And once he has that answer, he obeys, he follows. It's not, a, it's not enough to simply know of God. Anyone can say that, right? Yeah, there's a God. I've heard of him. It's not enough to just call yourself a Christian. It's not enough to just come to church, fill a seat, and then head back to life as normal when you're done. You can gain plenty of knowledge by just going through the motions, can't you? But you will only find wisdom as you steadily work to integrate that knowledge into your life. How? God's word. It changes everything. Look at who the psalmist was dealing with. He talks about dealing with his enemies, disagreements with his teachers, confrontations with his elders. He's got a tough life. But does that sound familiar? Now, whether you're a longtime follower of Jesus or you're still investigating faith for the first time, 
I think we can all find common ground in these situations. In your lives, are there enemies? Are there people that tend to butt heads with it or just rub you the wrong way? Are there teachers, people that give you instruction or direction in your life that sometimes eh, you struggle to follow or listen to? Are there elders, people placed in a position of authority over you that make you wonder how they even got that position in the first place? Add to that list family, friends, peers. We've all been there. So how do you deal with it? How do we see past that struggle and move on? How do we find the wisdom in those situations? First of all, I'll tell you the same thing I told to my students over at Faith Christian Elementary a few weeks ago. This is not an invitation to go out and disrespect your teachers or your elders. That's not how it works. As tempting as that solution may seem sometimes, God shows us a different path. That's our way to approach it. God's wisdom is different. God's wisdom is better. God says our solution is to learn His way. Our solution is to know God and follow what He says. Knowing God changes everything. We need to take our lead from what the psalmist writes here in the Bible and internalize it. We need to read God's word. We need to memorize it. We need to pray about it. We need to make it our own, and we need to follow it. By doing so, in any of those situations, you can approach life knowing that God is in control. You can see past the false teachings and find truth in Jesus. You can share your feelings and your testimony in confidence because you know that the divine source, where they come from. Whatever the situation you find yourself in, you can rest assured that if you know God, you will know wisdom. And more than that, if you know God, he's also told us too that you can know happiness. Happiness. Have you ever tried to define happiness? I mean, we can think about it. We know what it is, right? We've all experienced happiness, but I actually had trouble trying to define it. So I did what everyone else would do. I Googled it. What does happiness mean? Google was super helpful, by the way. Happiness, according to Google, is the state of being happy. <laughs> Thank you very much, Google. <clears throat> Webster's defines it as the enjoyment of pleasure without pain. I think we can count that as the world's definition. My favorite is probably from the sage poet. You may have heard of him. His name is Bobby McFerrin. Bobby describes happiness as this. He says, in your life, you have some trouble. But when you worry, you make it double. So don't worry. Be happy. If you don't know that song, you need to. There's a rumor floating around out there that Christianity is an easy life. Once you know God, once you know Christ, it's smooth sailing from there, right? Thank you for laughing, whoever that was. Right. If you're watching here, if you're in person or watching online, yeah, you're probably already laughing if that's you. If you don't have that relationship with Jesus yet and you're still investigating faith, please don't approach it with a mindset that once you make that decision, all of your worries will go away. I'm sorry, it's not, it's not the case. That's not how life works. There will still be heartaches. There are still bills to pay. My mortgage is not going away anytime soon. There's still suffering. There's still sickness. Parents, your teenagers, 
will still be teenagers. There's no way around it. Teenagers, your parents aren't changing. They're still going to be your parents. That's just how it is. Whatever your relationship with Christ may be, there are pretty much two guarantees in life. We live in an imperfect world full of imperfect people. Things are going to go wrong. And the second, there is true happiness to be found, and it's found in Christ. Psalm 119, verses 1 and 2. How happy are those whose way is blameless, who walk according to the Lord's instruction. How happy are those who keep his decrees and seek him with all their heart. Notice it doesn't say how easy life will be, how trouble-free life will be. Knowing God will not take away the pain of this life, but knowing God will allow you to find true happiness and true contentment despite the pain. Knowing God changes everything. That's the inspiration behind the Christmas carol, Joy to the World, right? And we can talk about Joy to the World now because it's after Thanksgiving, and we can sing Christmas carols now. Joy to the World. It's not joy because our suffering in this life has ended. No. It's joy to the world because salvation was brought to the world. We can read about it. We can read about it right here. We can read about His birth and his life. We can read about his death and resurrection. We can read about what he taught. We can know him. And if you know God, you will know happiness. Right here, joy to the world. And most importantly today, not only will you have peace and wisdom and happiness, if you know God, you know salvation. Peace, wisdom, and happiness, they're all amazing blessings. They're great gifts from God that are promised to those that know Him. Salvation, though, is a little different. It's a little bit different than the other three. From the world's point of view, we can find peace. From the world's point of view, wisdom and happiness, they're attainable, right? They can be found through different sources. I can find my peace by being successful at work. I can find my wisdom in being an expert in my field. I can find my happiness in relaxing on the beach. Sounds pretty nice, doesn't it? And while there are some truths to those points, at some point, those things all end. There's failure at work. My peace is gone. Somebody smarter comes along. I'm no longer an expert in my field. My wisdom isn't what it used to be. I'm sitting at the beach, and a seagull swoops down and steals my bag of potato chips and goes flying off, and it's a mad scramble to get it back. (sighs) There goes my happiness. The beach and a bag of Cheetos. But as we've talked about today, knowing God changes everything. As opposed to my peace, His peace is everlasting. His wisdom is enduring. His happiness is forever. And as awesome and as amazing as those three gifts are, they pale in comparison to the ultimate gift, his salvation. The psalmist talks about it multiple times throughout 119. I'm going to talk about just a few of them today. Verse 41, he says, Let your faithful love come to me, Lord, your salvation as you promised. In 81, I long for your salvation. I put my hope in your word. In 174, I long for your salvation, Lord. 
and your instruction is my delight. Salvation, it's a whole different story. Even though I'm the one being saved, I'm the one benefiting from it, it's not my salvation. I think verse 81 says it best. I long for your salvation. I put my hope in your word. Though we draw near to God and experience his peace and his wisdom and his happiness, salvation is something we will never never receive, never attain by our own efforts. The Bible teaches us about life. It teaches us who we are, where we came from. It teaches us about our sinful nature. And it paints a very frightening picture of the literal hell that is a reality for people that don't know Jesus. Thank God it also teaches us about a Savior. It teaches us that God sent a Son that loves us, loves us no matter what we do. He sent his son to suffer and die for my mistakes, my sin. It teaches me that no matter what I've done, no matter how dark my path has gotten, there is a bright hope that can be found in Jesus Christ. It teaches me that there's absolutely no way that I can achieve salvation on my own. As David puts it in Psalm 3, he says, salvation belongs to the Lord. The work has already been done. Salvation is already there. All it takes is for us to acknowledge it and believe. Knowing God changes everything. Now, for those of you that know the salvation of God, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You felt that helplessness of being utterly lost. You felt the change in your life when it came to knowing God and experiencing His salvation. And thank God that He didn't come for just a few of us. The Jesus that we come to know in the Bible came and died for us all. John 3, 16 and 17. Probably the most popular verses in the Bible. They're that famous for a reason. Because they're that important. It says, For God loved the world in this way. He gave His one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. He didn't die just for a few of us. He died to save the world. And what did he ask? Is there a checklist we have to fill out? These things we've got to do before we know his salvation? Is there a degree you need to get? Something that Pastor Chris needs to sign? No. He asked that we believe. At some point, you have to lay down your own pride. You have to lay down your own efforts and realize that on our own, they are just not enough. At some point, we have to realize that knowing God does change everything. That's what I had to do. For over 20 years, I walked a very different path. Uh, Much like reading Psalm 119, we don't have time for my whole story today. But the short version is, I I was very active in the LDS church growing up. The Mormon church, as you might know it as. I was born into it. I did my best to embrace it. I served where I was asked. I held multiple leadership positions. And I even served my my two years in Texas, trying to teach people. From a very young age, I knew somewhere in my heart that it was wrong, that it wasn't right. But I told myself, no, that can't be true. So I ignored it. 
I told myself, if I went through the motions, if I did the right things, if I did what I was told, I read the right books, if I appeared in my life to be doing what was right, then there would be an answer. Then I would find their peace. I would find their wisdom. I would find their happiness that was promised. As hard as I tried, though, I could not find it. And it wasn't until I was knocking doors in Texas and some random stranger asked me a single question that floored me. I'm going to cry. But the guy asked me, it's a silly question too. The guy asked me, he says, hey, what if you're wrong? Have you ever considered, what if you're wrong? I had never, in 20 plus years of my life, I had never considered the fact that I might be wrong. That maybe the peace I was looking for was not God's peace. That maybe his wisdom was not what I was seeking after. That maybe his happiness was nowhere to be found where I was looking because it did not exist. In my head, I knew I needed to be searching here. This is where I was going to find it. This is where the answer was. In the reality, I should have been looking here. I just didn't know where to find it. The truth contained in this book led me to know an awesome God, an almighty God. And because of that, I was able to know his salvation. Now, I know that my story is my own. There's a really good chance that you all aren't part of the Mormon church, currently seeking for truth. Now, if that is you, if that does describe who you are, come and talk to me after the service. We have some things to discuss. If you're watching online, send us a message. I'd love to chat with you. If it's not you, it still applies. Where do you turn for peace? Where do you turn for wisdom? Where does your happiness come from? Are you like I was? So self-assured in your own path that you never stop to consider, wait, what if I'm wrong? Maybe for you it's not religion, maybe it's work. If I can just have a little bit more success at work, if I can get this project done, then, then I'll be happy, then I'll be successful. Maybe it's your hobbies. I can just practice my short game a little bit in golf. If I can improve, knock a few points off, then I'm good, right? Now, don't get me wrong, it's important to have hobbies. It's important to do your best at work. All those things should be priorities in our life. But if we turn to those things for peace, for wisdom, for happiness, we will never find it completely. We will always be left wanting more, and they will never lead to salvation, no matter how hard we try. Now, God's word is a completely different story. Knowing God changes everything. This book is absolutely amazing. This book is our gateway to knowing the God of the universe. I challenge you today, spend time in it daily. No matter what effort you put into it, a minute, an hour, you will not regret it. It is completely worth it. As we move into this Christmas season, I'd like to challenge each of you. No matter where you're at in your personal study time, give God five more minutes. Five more minutes. If that means you take your 30 minutes you're studying daily now and turn it to 35 minutes, great you won't regret it. If that means you pick up a Bible for the very first time in your life and begin to understand who God is, 
awesome. You will not regret it. It'll be the most important five minutes a day you spend. Now, if you don't have a Bible, please visit, visit us at our next set table here in the back. We have them here for free to give away. You can also actually find our Bible in our, in our CityWalk app on your phones if you download it. There's a free Bible there as well. If you're watching online and you need a Bible, citywalk.cc, send us a message, we will send you one. Knowing God changes everything, and we want to make sure that you have that ability to know Him. Now let me reiterate, this is an awesome book. It is better than any other book, better than any other life manual out there. It doesn't just tell us that the pen was made. It tells us how it works. And it tells us how to put it back together when it breaks. If your life is broken, look to God. He will tell you how to fix it. If your life is full of chaos, look to God. If you know God, you will know peace. If your life is full of confusion, look to God. If you know God, you will know wisdom. And if your life is full of sorrow, look to God. If you know God, you will know happiness. And if you're listening today, if your life is heading down that wrong path, you know you're going down the wrong direction, but you don't know how to stop, you don't know how to turn around, look to God. If you know God, you will know salvation. I am thankful for God's word in my life and the message of hope that it brings to me. I know that can mean the same to you and so much more if you spend time studying it and coming to know him. Read the Bible. Know God, and your life will be forever changed because knowing God changes everything. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your holy word. God, we thank you for answers. Life is so confusing sometimes, Lord. We don't know what to do. We feel lost. God, I thank you for answers. God, there are so many of us that struggle out there in life. We struggle how to deal with family, broken relationships, Lord, friends, coworkers. Life is just overwhelming, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your happiness. Thank you for your joy. Thank you, Lord, for your salvation. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die for us. Thank you for giving us a path and making it so clear. Thank you, Lord, for the Bible, for your word. I pray for us today, Lord, that as we study it, as we dedicate the time to know you, that you would reveal yourself to us, that you would be real to us, that our lives would be forever changed by who you are and what you have done. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.